into the house so that the guests could stay there. And here I went traipsing out that afternoon, barefoot, because I'm a barefoot kind of girl, um, with sheets and a blanket to go make the bed. And something had happened with the power in the trailer. We didn't know what, but when I reached out and took that doorknob in my hand to open it and go in, electricity began to shoot through my body. And my hand contracted on that doorknob, and I could not get my hand off. And I began to call out to my family, but they were all in the house and nobody could hear. Nobody was coming. I tried leaning back with all my might and my hand would not open to let me, to let go. And finally, it dawned on me, the name of Jesus. And I called out the name of Jesus in a moment of desperation and my hand opened and I fell to that wet ground praising Jesus that he heard my cry.
We want to be those people that you can depend on that are faithful. We want to be those people that you can depend on that will do anything that respond to the whisper of the King. Lord, as we continue to go deeper into your presence right now, we ask you to draw us near, to make us more aware of your faithful love, of your faithfulness. No matter where you find yourself, he's still faithful. Faithful, God, you are faithful. Your words are true, you will come through. You're always faithful. You are faithful. You've overcome. You've already won. You're always faithful. 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 God, you are faithful. Your words are true. You will come
call in times of trouble. There is a song comforts in the night. There is a voice that calms the storm that rages. He is Jesus. Come on, sing that again. There is a name. Call on it this morning. There is a name called in times of trouble. There is a song comforts in the night. There is
evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also others in the boat with him. Squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Disciples woke up and woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The longer I serve Jesus, the more simple my life becomes. And it's based on my faith in the person of Jesus. He's the only one that can calm the storms inside of you. You can look at this world and this world will increase the storms around you and inside of you if you're not careful. But there's one person and his name is Jesus. And if you call on him, he will calm the storms inside of you. He did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. So if you're here this morning and you've never called on the name of the, of the Lord, if you've never called on the name of Jesus, he is the only way into the kingdom. It, he, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, and he is the answer to every storm in your life. Just call on him. You don't have to be a church member. You don't, have to, you don't have to do something special. You just call on the name of the Lord and he will redeem you. He will calm the storm inside of you. He loves you and he adores you. Now, if you're in here this morning and you know Jesus, the reason why Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion is because he wanted the disciples to understand that they had all authority and power in within them. He wanted them to speak to the storm. He wanted them to calm the storm. And sometimes in our lives, we have things that come against us and we're like, come on, Jesus, where are you? He's saying, son, daughter, I gave you all authority. Speak to that mountain and it will bow. And he gets up and he speaks a word and those things just die. Everything just calms down. The reason why he was able to speak to the storm and the winds and the waves was because of the peace in him calm the storm around him the peace of God within you is so powerful you have power and authority to calm every storm around you so here's what I want you to do I just want you to bow your head this morning we gather every Sunday morning because we love Jesus <laughs> And we gather to worship him, to lift his name on high, to give, a, give him all glory and all honor because that is our true calling to worship King Jesus. And I want us just to declare his name this morning, say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And for those of you in here this morning that are new, you are so welcomed in this house. You are so welcomed here. Here's what I, I dare you to open your heart to the Lord today. I double dog dare you. I'm a youth pastor. I, I, I will triple dog dare you. 
Open your heart. Let, let's open our hearts to the Lord this morning and allow him to do what only he can do. Lord, we give you all glory and all honor. Lord, I thank you for this day that you have put before us. And we will seek to bring you honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, give your neighbor a high five. But it did hit me that you probably don't go to church to worship our Lord and Savior except for Christmas and Easter like 68.7% of the rest of the American population. So how about you pack up your brood, you come with us to church service on Easter Celebration Sunday, huh? Okay, sure. I, I mean, my, my wife and I were just talking about where we would go this Easter, so sure, we'll give your, your church a shot. Houston, we have a problem. What's the matter? No one's ever said yes to us before. Oh, oh what do we do? Well, we just back away slowly. Oh, all right. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't look at him in the oh, eye. Oh, he could oh, take away your soul. Okay. okay all uh, right. We hope to see you there. We'll save you a seat. Okay. Really? No, that's just an intimidation tactic. Oh. Okay. Toodles. Oh, that was hilarious. I love it. All right, could I have the ushers come forward, get ready to give our regular tithe and offering to the Lord. It is a privilege and honor to give uh, to the Lord. If you are a guest here today, do not feel obligated to give. Um, but if uh, you would like to, go ahead and do so. The uh, hope of the world is the local church. Oh, somebody doesn't believe that. <laughs> the local church uh, has the potential as they focus their uh, affections and their lives upon Jesus to transform nations, communities, schools. And so as we are faithful with what God has given us and we sow into the local church, we can transform a community. And so, Lord, I come to you today. Just thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness um, that you have towards this church and for those that are faithful 
in their tithe and offering, Lord, that we will use this offering to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed as you give. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Okay. Good to see you this morning. Hey, just uh, I'm going to put in one plug for a, uh, a, a study that we're going to crank up right after Easter. On the Thursday after Easter, the 25th, April 25th. Can you believe Easter is like right around the corner? Uh, April 25th, 7 p.m. right here. It's a, a study for guys. This is called The Power of a Praying Husband. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys, if you have a wife, this is for you. If you don't have a wife and you want a wife then we'll teach you to pray for her before you ever see her and uh, we'll get that we'll get that going for you okay so uh, so it happens uh, uh, right here in this room and how many of you know it, it does work in fact uh, let's see uh, it you know not only does prayer work but uh, 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 Bill and Michelle are waiting on you Bill had a, a long prayer list of what he wanted in a wife and and here she is and uh, so he prayed her in and so yeah true story maybe Bill will share it uh, out there but anyway power of a praying husband we have about ten co- nine copies back there in this one um, uh, copies of the book you can also also get it on Amazon if you're a Kindle fanatic or whatever, kind of like me. So uh, we encourage you to, to come out and be a part of that. Why would we do a, a book study like that as opposed to a Bible study? Here's a conviction of mine. Um, you know, the Bible, uh, the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed, right, and is, and is useful for our edification and our building up. But the only part of the Bible that does you any good is the part that you practice, 66 books will do you no good unless it's in your life and you're acting on it. So we're going to teach you how to act on the part of the scripture that talks about how to pray and then implement it in your marriage. And so uh, let me say one more thing about marriage. You have exactly the marriage that you pray for. Nothing more. You say, well, my marriage isn't everything I, 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 uh, uh, I wish it to be. Well, it's, it may not be everything you wish it to be, but it's exactly as much as you want it to be. Because your want to is where, it's gonna, where the rubber meets the road. So we're going to teach you how to pray. And, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about it because I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to get together. We're going to get down to some brass tacks. We're going to get this thing figured out. We're going to pray. We're going to watch God work in our, our families. Amen? Good stuff. So, ladies, if if you can make it, I know if, if Thursday's the normal time that he like watches the kids or rubs your back or something like that. I don't know, uh, but whatever whatever your guy usually does, if you can let him loose for about an hour and a half, I guarantee you when he comes back, uh, there's going to be some good uh, things happen in your marriage. Okay, so I uh, hope that you'll be a part of that. Hey, this morning we're continuing on with our series called "The Church I See." And we've been going over uh, the things that are near and dear to my heart as it relates to who we are here at Lighthouse. It's uh, decidedly uh, a personal thing uh, in my heart. Though Pastor Daniel last week didn't do a great job on servant leadership and, uh, and what it means to be a servant leader here at Lighthouse. And so uh, that is our heart. We, we want to be in this house. Uh, we want to be servant leaders. And, uh, but we have a mission God, that God has given us. And so we're going to talk today a little bit about what that looks like as far as the mission is concerned. So at, at some level, you're going to hear me talk a lot about missions, but I want you to understand mission we kind of divided up in our minds missions is overseas uh, mission is here uh, you know there's home missions and world missions and and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that today but what really drives all of that is the heart of God 
if we have the heart of God, then that heart will be expressed, whether it's in, in the, the furthest corners of Walmart or the furthest corners of Afghanistan, if we have the heart of God. And so we need to have the heart of God here in this house. And so uh, one of the things that, that we need to recognize is the heart always has to have expression from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the scripture says. So whatever's going on on the inside of you will show up on the outside of you sooner or later. And uh, so we're going to talk uh, through some of the things that Jesus discussed with his disciples today. Um, the, the notes are right around you. There's also the, the scripture is going to be on the side. On the, uh, uh, screen this morning. Um, I'm not going to read all of it. There's a lot of it, but you'll you'll get the gist. I, I love this uh, Mark Twain quote. Actually, Mark Twain didn't say it. Uh, just like Abraham Lincoln didn't say everything that you read on the internet that Abraham Lincoln read or said. Um, but uh, Mark Twain was uh, was uh, told was it was said of him that he said this this phrase, and I, it kind of fits right here. He said it this way. He said everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Now, come on, that's a good line. <laughs> Everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. You know, and, uh, and the, the reality for us is there are some things that are beyond our control, and then there are things that we can control, right? So some of the things in this passage Jesus is saying, we can't control. We have no control over it whatsoever. Um, and so in uh, verse 6 of Matthew 24, the disciples ask him the question, when is the end going to come? When are you going to return? What it, you know, we, we want to know where we stand in, in the, the grand scheme. And he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes, and in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. I think he just took it from our headlines, didn't he? Then it says that uh, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. We're hearing about that coming out of Mozambique and parts of Africa. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then Jesus puts this last line, and it's probably for where we're headed today, the most important. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, Jesus is not just, we, in our Western mind, we like to think in terms of linear timelines, you know. Uh, we, we like to break it down. Well, there were the, the 1800s, and then there were the 1900s, and then there were the 2000s, you know, and we like linear. Jesus really isn't speaking linear here. He's telling us uh, what the things are going to be like that, that are happening in the earth. So we can say that probably Peter, James, John, Paul, all of the first century church experienced a lot of what was being spoken right here. Jesus said, this is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you that they're going to persecute you. It's going to happen to you that they're going to put you to death. It's going to happen to you that the increase of wickedness is going to happen. You're going to hear of wars and you're going to hear of rumors of wars. And there will be famines. And he's talking about their day, but he's also talking about our day. Right Now, I'm not here today as, uh, you know, Peter talks about scoffers who come that say, where is this coming of the Lord? But let me just say it to you this way. All of this stuff has been happening for 2,000 years, and yet Jesus hasn't come. So that means we're 2,000 years closer than we were when he said it. 
Does that mean that the Lord is slack in keeping his promise? No, that's not. You know, Peter addresses that too. He said, the Lord's not slow concerning his promise, but he is patient. And he's waiting for his people to get themselves lined up. And he's waiting for his people to do the thing he's called us to do. And what is the one thing we can control in this entire text? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations. And then the end will come. And then the end will come. Do you see that, he, that uh, the, the coming of the Lord is teetering on this one work of obedience, that the people of God would preach the gospel? Well, when's Jesus going to come back? Well, I can tell you put a metric on it. Go find where the gospel has stopped going. And when the gospel reaches to the ends of the earth, then the timeline picks up speed. Could Jesus come back at any time? It, it really depends on how the Lord counts time and how the Lord considers that the gospel has been preached. But can I tell you that about 41% of the world's uh, nations, of the populations, the people groups, 41% haven't been reached. Now, let, let, me, let me break something down for you. A lot of people say, well, Pastor Ken, why are you talking about that? I came here today because I have a heart to serve God and I want to serve God. And serve God you should. And let me just encourage you today uh, that uh, serving God starts with a heart that says, I want to do the will of my Father. I want to do what the Father has called me to do. And serving God can be a, a personal thing, but can I tell you, Jesus tells us that it shouldn't be a private thing. There's a difference between it being personal and private. Uh, you're going to see some people today that are going to make a public confession of their faith, right? It was personal somewhere along the line. They, they determined in their hearts as the Holy Spirit made it clear, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. I owe him my life. And so they are, they are doing a prophetic act today that says that I'm making something that is very personal. I'm going public. My old life is gone, my new life is here to stay, and I'm going to make that declaration for the whole world. Why? Because it's not just important to me, it's important for everybody else to hear too. It's a testimony of the fact that Jesus is alive and he's Lord. Every person that gets water baptized, it's a testimony that Jesus is alive and he's Lord. Every person with their life saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. Jesus says uh, here that because of the increase in wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. But not here at Lighthouse today. Our love is red hot. We love Jesus here. Why? Because we'll declare it, because that's our testimony. But I want to talk to you. I want to take it a step further today, not just talking about what does it mean to serve God. We also have to serve the gospel. We have to serve the gospel. Serving God can be a personal thing, but it needs to be a public thing. And if I'm going to make it a public thing, then I have to say, this thing is valuable enough that I would put all my energy into making sure it goes around the world. I, I, it's hard to have a, a quantifiable metric at how well you serve God, but you can absolutely track how you serve the gospel. Did you know that? You can absolutely track whether or not people have been fed, right? Uh, it's interesting to me. I see this metaphor when Jesus talks to his disciples and, and you know, at the feeding of the 5,000, and they're saying, send them away, send them away. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And, and the first thing he does is he tells them, get organized. Set them in groups of 50s and 100s. Why? Because we don't want anybody left out. 
We don't, want, we, we don't want anybody to think that God doesn't have bread. We don't want anybody to think uh, personally that, that they have been left out, that they have been overlooked by God. And so he said, we got to get organized so that every person gets a bite of the bread. Do you see the metaphor there for us today? We've got to get organized, church, because there are people that have been waiting for the bread of life for 2,000 years. Now, that would be an old person. I get that. But, uh, but, I mean, generationally, nations have been waiting for thousands of years for one person. And we get a slice of the bread of life daily. Every time I open this book, I'm not just saying weekly. I hope you're feeding yourself at home. If you're just saying, Pastor, I'm not getting fed, then you know what? We're going we're gonna to call an emergency meeting, you and me, and we'll sit down, and I'll teach you how to feed yourself. Because feeding yourself is up to you, not me. But if somebody hadn't shown you how, then I'll gladly show you how. And dozens of other people in this house will show you how. Feed yourself. Right? And, and so yet, after all of us having all of that fed and that bread uh, brought to us, and yet there are parts of the world that don't have even one morsel of the bread of life. Generations will live and die and not hear the name of Jesus. So uh, let, me, let me talk to you about what it means to serve the gospel uh, this morning. The gospel has to be translated, communicated, and carried into the furthest corners of the earth. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus went through all the towns and, te- and uh, villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Um, I want you to see Jesus himself. I want you to see the greatest picture of, of the Father's love that has ever existed on this planet. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you've seen me. You've seen the Father. The greatest expression. What does the Father's heart and love do? The Father's heart spans whatever distance is necessary to come to earth. God has one, had one son. He was a missionary. And uh, he, he came from heaven to earth, right? And then he walked around with compassion. And whenever there was a need, he met the need. People were in need. They were sick. Jesus healed the sick. They were, uh, they were hurting. Jesus ministered to their need. They were hungry. Jesus fed them. He had compassion on them. This is the heart of the Father being expressed through the person of Jesus. Right, And so you and I need to recognize that, uh, that Jesus is the one that we want to emulate in our work. That in order for us to be the people of God that he wants us to be, we have to be moved with compassion. Jesus looked on the needs of humanity and said they're harassed and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And he goes on, and I'm going to put words in his mouth, but understand where I'm coming from. He's saying, I can't get to everyone, but you can. I can't reach all the harvest, but you can. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to pray uh, for labors. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? We don't need more money. If we were putting a million dollars a year into missions, and that's our goal, we're going to get there one day in my lifetime. Should Jesus tarry a million dollars a year going into missions to take the gospel to the end of the earth? Why? Because what's money for? 
Is all the money in the world worth the value of one soul? How do you, how do you create a value system in a, in, in a temporal means with inflation and whatever it does? How do you equate that to one human soul? How much is a person worth? In the heart and mind of God, it's worth one drop of Jesus' blood. Every person. I don't care what their bottom line looks like in their bank account. In God's mind and heart, one drop of the blood of Jesus. That's what they're worth. That's what they're worth. And we spend a lot of our time rating ourselves according to our bottom line, our net worth. But your net worth before God is the value of his son. The, the value of a thing is the price it will bring. And so all the money in the world in exchange for one soul is not a bad deal. So when we look in terms of, oh, well, why would you spend all that money? Well, because our world system is going to crumble one day. One day the, the treasury is not going not to uh, cut the mustard. One day uh, whatever's happening in our world is not going to, what, am I prophesying, Pastor Ken, is it going to happen next year? I don't know when it's going to happen, but can I tell you, every world system falls apart. But the kingdoms of this world, they shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. So don't put your trust in man. Trust in man is a vain thing. Right? We put our trust in the Lord. So Jesus says that pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field. I can't think of anybody more helpless than a child. I can't think of any, anyone more innocent than a child who, has, uh, who was not responsible for where they found themselves to be but suddenly found in harm's way. Um, Holly and I, a few years ago, uh, were coming up from Hayes on 17, and there was a, a car accident right in front of us, uh, right there at Hayes Auto, right there by the, uh, the nursery. And uh, a, a mom and her little girl, she's a pregnant mom, and her little girl in the back seat got uh, T-boned right there at that intersection, and our car was right there. And, uh, you know, and so we watched the, the car spin. We watched the truck veer off to the side, and all of a sudden, you know, your heart's in your mouth, and you're like, oh, what do I do, you know? So, uh, so we, we jump out of the car, and fortunately, the rescue squad is right next door, and, and, uh, and so they were on it really quick. And, but Holly and I, first one's there, and immediately we just started to pray. Um, we, we were comforting mom. The little girl was in the car seat, and uh, fortunately, the, the, uh, you know, her child in her womb was spared, and, and the Lord just was really gracious because it was like one of these full-on 55 miles an hour T-bone kind of things. It could have been really, really bad. But I th I've often thought about, you know, we were the first ones there. We saw, you know, and all of a sudden I, I was moved, like in ways that I don't think I've been moved. You know, all of a sudden you see this, the, the, the adrenaline, uh, and, and you're, you're all of a sudden, this is, that, you know, that accident. And what happened with that mom and what happened with that child? That was personal. We went and visited them in the hospital. I didn't know them before, but I witnessed the, 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 uh, the accident and that collision, and it caused me to have a familiarity. Now they mattered. Why? Because my compassion had been moved, you see. You know, God's got that same kind of compassion for every person on the planet. Because he feels their pain. He witnesses their pain. I don't know how God does this. This blows my mind. But God sees every tear. God hears every 
uh, every word that's spoken, he knows the trauma that people go through and he's moved with compassion. You know what happens in, in human beings? We go in reverse. The more we hear about it, the more calloused we become. I think it was Stalin who said one, one dead person is a, a, a tragedy, a thousand dead people. That's a statistic. What happens in our hearts and minds is we begin to throw up all these emotional barriers because we can't handle that kind of pain. So I think about being that first responder. Now, now let me paint a picture based on that. I'm going to tell you a story. So Mark Geppert, uh, back in the 90s, the Holy Spirit said to him, leave your job at uh, Bethel Temple and go prayer walk all the nations touched by the Mekong River. The Mekong River was important to Mark because he was a Vietnam vet. And he had been there in part of the destruction of the nation of Vietnam and had some top secret clearance, some stuff that he won't even talk about today. But he goes and he prayer walks every nation. He goes village by village praying, praying praying, getting in touch with the needs, seeing the people, seeing the people, seeing the people. Of particular uh, interest to him was the nation of Cambodia. Cambodia, if you know anything about it, right after the Vietnam War, uh, Pol Pot came to power. Uh, some of the Vietnamese came over the border uh, to help him, and they wiped out probably about 2 million people. How did, how did you get on the bad side? Well, if you had a pair of glasses, you were going to be killed. If you happen to say, I like ballet, you're going to be killed. If you had an advanced degree, you were going to be killed. If you had anything going on that you could set yourself up against that regime, if you had any kind of advanced education, you were, you were going to be taken to one of the killing fields and you would either be tortured or starved until you were gone. Out of 7 million people, so we're talking, you know, a couple million people out of that. Think about that. And so as Mark is praying and walking and he sees the killing fields and he sees a, a nation that's been decimated because one, one whole section of the demographic is gone and now it's a nation of, of children. And he's watching this whole thing. You know, when you, take the, when you take the intelligence away, you take the educators away. You take the educators away, now you have a group of children that don't know their right hand from their left. And the best thing that they can do is when they turn 18, they can go work in the sweatshop or, or, or sell themselves to prostitution. they got to eat some kind of way. So what are they going to do? They're going to do whatever they can, but they don't have any advanced degrees. They don't have any education. They don't have any ways to set up systems. So maybe they're farmers, maybe they're, maybe they're fishermen. In, but everybody around them begins to take advantage. All the other nations coming down. China's coming down, fishing off their, uh, off their coast, doing all kinds of things. And Mark's praying, and he's walking, he's praying, and he's walking. Can I tell you that, that, that Cambodia, picture a, picture a train with several million people in it, and it gets into a collision. And everybody on that train, if they can get help... They can rise up, but if they can't get help, they're going to perish in that train. Mark's a first responder. He went to Vietnam the first time to witness the destruction of Southeast Asia. He came back to witness the resurrection of Southeast Asia. Walking and praying, walking and praying, walking and praying. So 11 years ago, Jeremy and I went to Cambodia to teach the first 45 Christian school teachers to come to Christ in that nation. And those 45 school teachers, it, it, it went from being a public school to becoming a Christian school 
when all the teachers got born again. So 45 teachers, and I spent five days teaching about the life of Jesus, the seven key events of Jesus' life, and I taught them, and at the end of that, that five days, all 45 of them got baptized. And that school went on to become the first school to teach math and science since the 70s. That school went on to become the number one school in all of Cambodia, all of Cambodia, that school graduated students that were brighter, that were sharper, that they start every day with the Lord's Prayer. They were taught the scriptures. And a number of the students from that school went on into the university. And uh, several, several of them, like eight to ten of the students of that school, are helping to run SEAPC on that side of the world right now. What happens when you're a first responder? You have compassion. Here's why. Because it's difficult to have love for somebody that you have not seen, that you do not know. Moms, isn't it true that when you hear your child's cry, you can hear everybody else's, but you can pick theirs out, and suddenly something stirs around on the inside of you. And some of you just rib your husband and say, go get them. But we're moved with compassion when there's familiarity. But God says it this way. He says it differently. How can you love God whom you can't see if you don't love your neighbor whom you can see? I've found that it helps me to have a name that's associated with a nation. I found that it helps me uh, when I think about Cambodia, I think about uh, uh, Hodam, and I think about a number of, see, I, I taught those 45 uh, teachers, but I went back a few years ago, and I saw the cream of the crop come back, and, I, and I, now I have faces, I have eight of them that I pray for, because they're the leaders now in that particular area. And we're watching God in Cambodia raise up from the ashes of the killing field a, a resurrected generation that will become the political leaders, that will become the lawyers and the doctors, that will become uh, all of the infrastructure that it is missing, that was missing. Why? Because somebody was first to respond. Somebody prayed and the Lord kept opening the door. Somebody prayed and the Lord kept opening the door. Somebody prayed and the Lord kept opening the door. And so now in, they went from one school. Now they're in all the schools in Bante Miche province, which is like I think it's like 455 schools or something like that. And they say, well, if you can do what you've done in that one school in this region, and that means that SEAPC has access to this. What does access mean? They said, well, we're not going to go unless we can bring Jesus. They said, well, bring Jesus. And so they open with the Lord's Prayer, and they hand them a book that they've developed called My Precious Book. And uh, my, the My Precious Book is all the Bible stories with a, a, a prayer in the back that the kids can learn and can meet the Lord. And, and a couple of years back, when a, a group of a small group of us were there, um, a, a team from Pennsylvania had just gone and done a distribution in the public schools in Bonte Miche province. And uh, they had handed out those books, and they came back. We were there. We just got in that day, and they were leaving that day. They came back, and they said, we led 1,500 kids to the Lord this week as they did a distribution of the scriptures. And now the kids are learning English with that My Precious book, and they're uh, the whole time. Amazing, amazing. See, that's the heart of God. The heart of God for every person on the planet. So what does that look like here at Lighthouse? 
You know, I, I, think about, uh, I think about things that we need to be about. We could do anything when we come together, but what do we need to prioritize? What really matters? What, you know, uh, the word talks about despise not the day of small beginnings. When, when I look at the, the, the things that I see the Lord doing here, and, and here's what you need to understand. I, uh, Jimmy Davis said this some, uh, when he was here with us back last year, but it's really, really true. If you look if, as a missiologist and you say, where do I see the activity of God today? A hundred years ago, the activity of God was in the north and the west. It was in the European countries. It was in America. Um, God was moving in powerful ways. We had the charismatic movement. We had all of those things happening. But over time, what we see is that the gospel is spreading to the south and to the east. And the places where revival is happening now are in places like Latin America. It's happening in Africa. It's happening over in, in Southeast Asia. It's happening in China. So the power center, of, of the gospel has shifted from uh, the north and the west to the south and the east. And so if we're going to keep in step with what God is doing, what we need to realize is that the harvest... Lift your eyes, look on the harvest. The harvest is in the south and the east. Now, I'm not saying that we, we all, let's all... Let's all just pack up and go to Southeast Asia. That's not my implication. But what I want you to see is when you look out your window, if you were to look and you are to look through a little sight glass, you're only seeing about 5% of what God is doing in the world. And unless you open up your sight glass, see, 95% is happening somewhere other than in Gloucester or in the east coast of Virginia. God is at work. God is moving. You may not see him, but then again, you haven't gone. Right? You go, and then you go. Whoa. Check that out. What are these people willing to do for the gospel? Their love is on fire. They'll, they'll serve the Lord. Here's who we need to be here at Lighthouse. First prayers prayed. We need to be about first things. You know, the, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these other things will be added, right? First prayers prayed. Never look down on people when they're trying to get their life right and they pray a prayer. Well, all you did was pray a prayer. Well, that's all you did. Well, I expect to see results. Okay, let's, let's track you back in your timeline. Some of y'all were carnal for 15 years after you prayed that first prayer. Let's just be honest. Let's be nurturers and not nitpickers. Let's celebrate every win we can find. And if we have to make up a few wins to encourage somebody, we'll make up a few wins. You understand, I'm not talking about being dishonest. But I'm saying we need to celebrate. We need to be excited. You don't tell your child when they're making their first steps, go ahead and stay down. You're never going to get up and walk. <laughs> what do you do? You, you set everything up in the environment to make sure that they do walk, right? We want to we wanna set people up to, for success. First songs sung, first sermons preached, first calls answered, first faith promise offerings given. I love it. I love it when kids get a heart for missions. I love it when they go around and they dig around in the, in the, the seat cushions and they bring their change to church and they say, I want to give this to God. I want to give to mission. Why? That, because that's the right heart. The right heart says, I'm going to use everything at my disposal and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give it so that God will, will be, the name of Jesus will be heard in another part of the nation. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the candidates if you need to get up and slip out. You can go. Uh, we're, we're, we're prepping. This is, my, this is my first closing. 
It's my first class. This morning I had two. I might even go to three in the 10 o'clock service. We'll see what happens. You're blessed. Here's, here's where I'm coming from with this. You know, you and I, we need, to, we need to keep the heart of God alive here in this house in the first service. Um, Rollin and Diane Woolley were in that, in that service. And Rollin and Diane's son, uh, Josh Woolley, was uh, part of this house. And I can tell you some Josh Woolley stories, boy. Because that boy was a pistol. He was crazy. He did all kinds. He's, he uh, he uh, affectionately has the, he is the only person that I know of in 30 years of being here that put a bowling ball through the church door out front. I was here. It did happen. All, in my mind, I was like, bowling ball, foyer of the church. What? What's that about? But Josh and Josh Woolley and his wife Carrie and their two little children are in Ecuador planting churches down uh, among the Amazon, going into places where you know you you think you got a strong-willed child. That's okay. They might end up going to the nations because you're going to need some strong will to get out there to the nations. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta you gotta decide. I'm going to go and do it, and I'm going to go after you know. And so when we look, here's here's the thing. You know, Josh is is going on our behalf. He prayed his first prayer here. He got his life right with God here. He, we sent him to, to a, a master's commission from here to get trained. You know, and he's one of many. But you know how he got that heart? See, I've traveled with his dad in the nations. Josh has the same heart that his dad has for the nations. Now, Rollin, you know, like me, we don't get around as, quite as good as we used to. But you know what Josh and Carrie are? They are legs to the legacy of this house. They are legs to the legacy. And when we're not able to get out, we're still going. We're still going through the next generation. We're going to pay it forward. You know, uh, probably it's been several months now that since Brother Harry Holland has been in this house. He's just passed it. How old is he now? Is he 90? He's 90. So Brother Harry is 90 years old, but he physically is not able to get out. But his heart is still strong, and, uh, and he's fired up for Jesus. But when I first came here about 30 years ago, Brother Harry was hard to miss because he's six, I don't know, six four, something like that. Big, tall guy. Big feet. I mean big feet. They're like U-boats, German U-boats or something. I mean, big feet. But you know what was always noticeable about Harry? And, and see, I didn't meet Harry until he was, he had to be, he was uh, north of 65 probably when I met Harry. But uh, Harry always had the joy of the Lord, always greeted you with a holy roller hug. And, uh, and that's what he called it. Let me give you a holy roller hug, brother. And uh, so he always gave you a holy roller hug. And he would dance through the service. I mean, if there were songs that were danceable, brother Harry was dancing. Now, it didn't look all that, but the joy was exuded, right? But I remember one of the times that I came in, he came in, uh, uh, you know, probably, it might have been a year ago now, and he came in with a walker. And I walked over to him, and, and you know, we were, it, was, uh, it was after the, uh, after the service had done. And he says, you know, he said, when the music was going fast, he said, and I saw everybody dancing. He said, I was so glad. He said, because I'm still dancing in my heart. These feet won't dance like they used to. He said, I'd probably fall over. He said, but all those young people up there, they're dancing, and I'm dancing with them. I'm dancing with them. And we are the legs to Brother Harry's legacy. 
when we carry that joy of the Lord and we continue to carry that joy of the Lord. How are you serving the gospel? I know you're serving God, but how are you serving the gospel? What are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Make a values assessment on your life. What can you do to make sure that somebody else gets the gospel? What can you do to pay it forward? Who is carrying the legs to your legacy into the future? See, that's why we're here. That's what we're here to do. And so we do that with the heart of God. We do that because God has something in his heart for people that you and I haven't met yet. And so some of you, here's where it starts. You say, well, you know what, I'm going I'm to give up a... I'm going to give up a Big Mac every week. I'm going to put that money into missions. I'm going to give up my Diet Coke or maybe a Starbucks. Oh, I just, I just rattled the cage there, didn't I? Okay, only one a week, all right? Only one a week. You already got a $150 a month Starbucks bill. Knock it off. Give the Lord, give the Lord $20 of that, and you'll be, you know, you'll be blessed. And, you know, you, you make an adjustment. Why? Because the value of a thing is the price it will bring. And we can't say that we have a heart from, for God unless we're willing to get involved in the thing that is his heart. And that's the nations. That's people that we don't see, but God sees them. People that we don't know, but God knows them. And so we have this opportunity every Sunday, and I hope that you'll make it a part of what you do, that you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, I'm going to be a giver, I'm going to be a prayer, I'm going to be a goer. You know, in, in, uh, in Ecuador, they can't, they can't cash your out-of-state check, but we can send a Josh Woolley. We can send our sons and daughters. We can make a viable option. Don't do what my parents did to me and says, you know what? It, you know, you need to go on and get a degree because in case that serving God thing doesn't work out, you'll have something to fall back on. What does that, what does that communicate? What does that communicate to a child growing up? So, you know, so we have to be those people that say serving God is the deal. And going is what we're all called to do. And if I can't go, I'm going to put some legs to my legacy. I'm going to send others, right? I'm going to send others. I'm going to, uh, I think right in front of you there, there should be, uh, this, is, this is housekeeping from last week. And I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to close up here, and then we're going to baptize some folks in water. Um, but uh, I told you last week about the, uh, the leadership, the servant leadership covenant. There should be one right in front of you in your seat. Um, if not, you can pick one up at the Inside Lighthouse on the way out. Here's the servant leadership covenant. Um, if, you are, if you consider yourself a, a part of Lighthouse, a part of the life of this house, um, and you can submit yourself to what's spoken there, I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to sign it and, uh, and turn that in. You can leave it right back there at Inside Lighthouse. I also put on here, I attached an ACH form because practically speaking, we can't serve the gospel without money. So we can say I'm serving God, but we're not serving the gospel unless we pay it forward. It's just the way it works, you know, uh, the, the real part of life. This is, how we, this is how we do what we do. And um, 
So yeah, I would encourage you to, to fill one of these out if you're a, a regular giver or if you want to be a regular giver. Um, the reason is because uh, that little 2 25 2 3%, whatever our merchant fee is, I don't keep up with it. i got people smarter than me that do that. But I know there's a percentage that every time we use something electronically, and about 40% of our giving right now is in electronic form of some sort. And, and so that percentage, that little merchant fee adds up. And we end up paying it, so if you can do an ACH, uh, then that fee goes away, and it's just a transfer from your account to ours, and that helps us to serve the gospel. Amen? We're going to close out this time right now in prayer, and uh, then we're going to go to baptism, and then uh, Sarah Jalot's got an announcement that she's going to come down and share with you. Lord, we bow our hearts today. Lord, your word tells us that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, coming to know you is a very personal thing. But you've called us to be people that would be a public witness of your power and of your life. Lord, I'm thankful for these that are going to come. And they're going to make that declaration today from a tank of water that pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, they're proclaiming that you are Lord over every part of their lives, over their minds, over their emotions, over their wills, over their finances, over their relationships, every aspect of their lives. And Lord, we want to support that. We want to encourage that. Father, this morning I pray that we would allow you to adjust our hearts so that our heart would resemble your heart, so that our lives would mirror your life, so that this house would mirror heaven, Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for ministering to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and baptize some folks, and Sarah's going to come down and share uh, some announcements about Easter with you. Today, I tell my friends, my family, the world, that the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old Crystal is dead. I have been buried with Christ. My sin is gone, nailed to the cross, and paid for by the blood of my Savior, of my Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. Good morning, Lighthouse. Okay, I got to kind of warm you up a little bit. Um, you guys, uh, your job over the next three to five minutes is to be as excited as possible uh, for this particular baptism because people are declaring to everybody that they are a follower of Jesus and that is worthy of all time. Okay. Now, because I believe God is a God of second chances, I'm going to let you do that one more time. Uh, <laughs> ah. 
Yes, I see you up there. I see you up there. All right, Jackson, come on down. Do you want to say anything, Jackson? Yes. I love Jesus. Hope everybody else does too. I won't know what nobody go to hell because that's a bad place to be. Come on, the best job ever. <laughs> Jackson, upon your declaration of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Elijah! said no. <laughs> Elijah, upon your declaration of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Good job. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this hand. Okay. Yeah. Erica, upon your proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Andrew! <laughs> Andrew, upon your proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Woo! Oh, what you talking about? How on earth do I follow that? <laughs> You know, I was just struck watching that. I don't know if you caught last names there, but that we baptized a family this morning. And I just thought in the book of Acts with the jailer that, that when Paul witnessed to the jailer that it said that he and his family believed and they were baptized. I believe that God doesn't just save people. He saves and restores families. Do you believe that too? Well, I'm here to tell you about an opportunity for families. Oh, what a great segue, right? Easter Sunday. We, Easter is coming up, and you know, it is the greatest time of year for us as believers. 
right? This is the whole message of why we exist because of the work of Christ on the cross. And I know we talked this morning about sharing the gospel and the message of salvation. And so this Easter, we have an opportunity to do that, starting with the children and all the way up through families. We are going to have an egg hunt. And we're going to be doing that during the Sunday morning service for kids ages three, starting in our preschool class, three in pre-K, and then in our elementary class in kids club. And I'll tell you, you know, would you just keep praying in kids club? We have had the most incredible services the last few weeks. I mean, worship time, everything has been awesome, hasn't it? I have the best kids. Can you tell them that they're awesome? We talked this morning about the importance of sharing God's love. And they're excited and they're pumped to invite friends. So I'm going to ask you to do the same. Would you invite friends and neighbor kids, everyone that you know, to come? We're going to have the egg hunt during the service. And then the next Sunday, we're going to have a special service in, across kids' ministries. And we're going to invite the people who come on Easter to come back. We're going to give them some free tickets for drawings that we're going to do the next Sunday for some prizes and different things. And we're going to just show them every everything that Lighthouse has to offer and invite them to be a part of our family. So we need your help to do that. And you will get, as you walk out, some of my fabulous helpers who you can't miss them because they're in fluorescent orange. We'll be giving you a sheet of paper and it's just some of our needs. We have some needs for donations for the eggs and the candy and for the prizes that we're gonna be giving out. And we just invite you to join us on this. I love when the whole church comes together, right? We're not just over there having our thing and you're over here having your thing, but we're one family working together for the kingdom. So I invite you to help us. Your kids, you'll see, will be coming home with these invite cards and they can um, give them out to their friends. And I know we have the church invite cards as well. Let's pray and believe for the house to be full on Easter. Amen. And not just for the house to be full, but for hearts to be full and lives to be changed. Not for one Sunday a year, but for lives and generations to come. That's what I'm believing for, and I hope you are as well. So you'll be getting these pages. Pages. If you have any questions, it has an email address to email me. But we would love for you to join us in prayer leading up to, in support leading up to, and on that day so that people will come and see that Lighthouse is a place of hope for them. So, and I think that's all we have. I'm just going to close out the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the lives that you have changed. Lord, for your plan for each of us to not just be believers in our homes, but to spread your word throughout Gloucester County and to the world. Lord, we pray you would bless each and every one of us as we go this week, that we would be your messengers of hope for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have children in Kids Club, we are taking them back over and you will need to come and pick them up over there for the safety of all of the children. So if you just give us a minute, we are all filing out. They're already on their way, but the same pickup procedures as usual. <laughs>